Theatrical Shenanigans with Maury Norton. Hello there and welcome to our seventh episode of Theatrical Shenanigans, which is our Halloween episode. I, as always, am your host Rachel Feeney-Williams and once again I have brought you an audio play this week with a particularly spooky theme, as well as a guest to discuss it with. Before we move on though, I would like to take a moment to remind you that the submission window for Season 3 of Theatrical Shenanigans will be closing at midday UK time on the 31st of October, so if you haven't submitted you still have a few days left. A quick reminder of the guidelines, the plays need to be a maximum of 15 pages long and have no more than 4 characters, and of course need to be written for audio, which means minimum visual stage directions. If you have a script that suits, then make sure you email it over to rfwscripts at gmail.com before the deadline on Tuesday. But in the meantime, on with the show. My guest today is from the wonderful country of Japan, which is a first for theatrical shenanigans. Prior to that, he was a regular fixture in Annapolis, Maryland Community Theatre from the late 70s to the mid-90s, appearing often at Colonial Players, Annapolis Summer Garden Theatre and Annapolis Theatre Project, of which he was a co-founder. He made his debut as a playwright in 2019 with Last Laugh, a play I've read and thought was utterly brilliant. Since then, he's gone on to have numerous projects and his works have held prominent positions in numerous competitions. In addition to all that, he's constantly making time to write new works and support his fellow playwrights on New Play Exchange. Welcome, Maury Norkin. Well, thank you. It's very nice to be here and it's very nice to meet you. So obviously we know a bit about your life in the theatre world, but how did you actually get started with it? Well, like uh, so many others, I guess, uh, it goes back to my childhood. Um, My parents were... uh, always interested in theater, not performing, but uh, as patrons. Mm. And my uh, two older brothers uh, became active in theater in school, uh, primarily starting in high school. And then in the town where we grew up, there was a theater program that was started by a a woman who was uh, born in London. Well, she had two separate groups, one for younger teens and one for older teens, and then also into a early 20s, um, doing a lot of original musicals and uh, a lot of standard uh, American fairs, and then, of course, some Shakespeare as well. Mm. And so my my brothers were in that, and I usually followed what they did. So eventually I became involved. Um, And then in high school, I I continued. And then in college, I kind of uh, got out of it because I wasn't a theater major, and I didn't Mm. want to compete with uh, people who were. Mm. So I, I kind of lost interest except to watch what my friends were doing. And then after college, I auditioned for a community theater production and uh, got kind of hooked again. <laughs> um, but, then, but then from obviously later on from performing, you went into the world of playwriting in the more recent years. What made you want to venture down that track? So while I was doing uh, community theater, even though I was doing some performing, I was also doing some uh, tech work and backstage work as well. And working on musicals, I just started to write these uh, parodies of the shows that we were doing. Mm. And then the the tech crew would, on closing night, would perform those for the cast. You know, they they, they were really goofy and silly things, kind of like a lot of the stuff that I still write, Mm. unfortunately. But 
Um, I never really expected it to go anywhere and, and didn't really think about it until um, 2018. So two of my best friends from high school, and one of them suggested that why don't we each write a one-act play involving an older man and a younger woman? <laughs> and he said, and I already wrote mine. <laughs> and so usually I would just laugh that off and not think of any, anything more of it. But in this case, I thought, hmm, what about an older comedian and a younger comedian? And mm -hmm. so I started to write Last Laugh. And after several uh, drafts, several attempts, that was that was it. So we ended up with three plays that kind of fit together thematically. And then we thought, hey, we should get these produced. So we had a reading for friends in the theater some of whom were in a position to be able to actually get it onto stage for us. Hmm. And so they agreed to do that. Well, I say, I've, I've read, as I said in my introduction, I've read Last Laugh and it's just, it's just brilliantly done. I mean, there's so many four pieces that are, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great piece to, to start a, a career as it were, as it were. Well, well, well thank you. <laughs> But then obviously you made the huge change with the move from the US to Japan. Um, have right. you noticed any major differences in the way theatre is produced there to the US? Well, I mean, of course, there's the uh, traditional theatre mm. in Japan, like uh, Kabuki and No, mm. um, which I've only experienced uh, on uh, public TV. Um, locally, what I've seen is... Uh, Something that, to me anyway, strikes me as similar to know. It's called uh, Kagura, mm. and it's uh, based on a Shinto tradition. And different towns have their own kind of uh, productions of what they do. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of stories of uh, good and fighting evil. Mm. And uh, then some uh, uh, godlike creature comes in to kind of settle the, the dispute. Mm. And... They wear the same kind of masks as you would see in a no production, mm -hmm. same kind of instrumentation to support the movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, uh, well, and also like the other traditional forms of uh, performance over here, they're all, ma all male casts. Mm. Um, so, Last question for you. Is there a singular moment in your journey of both performing and playwriting and everything that you've kind of seen and been through since you moved that sticks out in your mind as the memorable moment for you? Yeah, it would have to be the production of uh, Last Laugh. This was just something I, I just couldn't believe seeing the characters come to life the way they did, um, hearing the response from the audience. And uh, just having that kind of a, a send off, you know, before moving, that that that's going to stick with me forever. So now that we know about our guest, I can talk to you about our playwright for this week. Carl Hunter Zubark is a Michigan-based playwright and actor who focuses on writing horror stories as well as showcasing the diabetic experience on stage. His impressive list of achievements includes being produced in five states, being included in four different publications and writing for multiple web series, including The Show, which is the longest college-run sitcom in America, and Counterculture, where Cole is co-creator and co-writer. 
Cole's play that we will hear shortly is entitled The Paranormal Club's 7th Annual Haunted House Sleepover and I believe can best be encapsulated by Cole's own words. He says, I have a fond fascination with the paranormal. I love learning and researching urban legends. I watch too many ghost stories and I've seen far too many bad horror movies in my time. I've had several paranormal experiences myself and find how the human brain gets scared fascinating. This particular play started out as a question. What would it be like to be locked in some place with no way out? Theatrical Shenanigans presents The Paranormal Club's 7th Annual Haunted House Sleepover by Cole Hunter Zubak. I told you we could get in here. Isn't this place perfect? Seems a little... creepy. It's quiet. Seems cozy enough. Hell yes! We can set up our base of operations here in the entrance lobby area. Oh man, this is gonna be good. You mean we're gonna sit here all night and nothing is gonna happen like usual? I've never been to a haunted house before. Like, a real one. Well, welcome to your first real-life scare, then. As president of the Michigan State University's Paranormal Club, I hereby welcome Faith to her first haunted house sleepover. With that settled, let the seventh annual haunted house sleepover begin. Nux, would you please lock the doors so no one bothers us? Yep. This is so exciting. I'm going to text my mom and let her know I'm all... Oh, shit, no service. Good thing. I don't want any of us to get distracted. Tonight is about bonding as a club. And, of course, finding evidence of the paranormal. We won't find anything, so let's get on with the investigation so we can get to the real fun. If you don't believe in ghosts, why did you come? They come for the free booze. Yes, but my best friends are in this club. I've known Lillian Harrison for years. I just like hanging out. Plus, some of these old buildings are as cool as fuck. So, how does this work? Alrighty, so... Each investigation starts with going over the lore of the house, then we split up and search for clues. Like a Scooby-Doo episode? Thinking of this like a Scooby-Doo episode makes the whole thing way less scary. Ah! 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 The fuck was that? (laughs) Oh my god, that was too good. Chill out, man. It was nothing. Or... Was it the ghost of old Julia Anderson? No, it wasn't that. Legend has it that Julia Anderson used to live here with her husband, Henry Anderson. They seemed to be the perfect couple. Neighbors used to say they seemed to truly love one another. Henry was also bringing home flowers for Julia, her favorite being purple daisies. 
Julia absolutely adored her husband. One day, Henry never returned home from work, and Julia worried about her husband. To keep her mind off it, she wrote her husband a love letter, declaring her never-dying love and reminding him that she was mad about him. Henry showed up late that night, packed a suitcase, and told Julia he was leaving her for another woman. Julia, crushed by her husband's adultery, ripped the love letter in half and hid it away before dying from a broken heart. Henry came back to sell the house and began packing and moving things, but one night he died from a heart attack. Legend says that Julia haunts these halls, looking for the two pieces of her letter. People who have stayed in this house overnight claim that when she is near, a purple daisy will appear in the room. Wow, how sad. No wonder she would be a restless spirit. That was... Horseshit. None of that ever happened. No record of a Henry Anderson or Julia Anderson ever owning this house exists. Still, the house is plenty creepy without the ghost story. Sure, old house is weird looking. Doesn't mean that some woman died here from a broken heart. And why would the husband come back? A heart attack? None of that makes sense. He died of a heart attack because Julia scared him to death as revenge. Sure, totally. Ghosts can kill people now. I don't know what I'm scared of more. Seeing a ghost or dying by a ghost. Dying by a ghost? While I love the idea of ghosts being real, ghosts killing people seems to be far-fetched. That's why we're here? To find the ghost and figure out why the rumors are the way they are? How does a typical investigation work? Well, <clears throat> everybody will get an EVP, and then I'll have a ghost box that I'll use to try to talk with the ghosts. And really, we just walk around the house as we please and see if we can find any evidence. Oh yeah, everybody also wears these cool hatbands with GoPros attached to them. Exciting! I can't wait. Don't worry, you won't find anything. She might. Remember my first time? I saw a ghost too. You didn't see shit. All you saw was your own shadow. It moved when I was still. And I passed biochemistry on my first try. I don't... They didn't. That's just how these two treat each other. Alrighty, gang, let's split up and find this ghost. How is it always I get paired up with you? Because you secretly know ghosts exist and you want to help me find the proof? Keep telling yourself that. You ready for this? No. Hello. Is there anyone there? My name is Knox and this is Lily. If you exist, can you say something? Can you say your name? Who are we speaking with? If you actually exist, why don't you say something? Better yet, why don't you come and pull my shirt? Touch me. That sounded so weird. I'm trying to be a good sport. Can you please say what your name is? Did you hear that? 
Hear what? Anderson. Oh my gosh. We're talking to Julia Anderson herself. You heard that, right? Uh, th that was strange for sure. Well, Julia, what do you have to say for yourself? Is that a threat? Why don't you come and push me? Knox, you know we aren't supposed to provoke it. Oh, quit it. That was mere coincidence. There's no such thing as... Oh, Holy shit. You heard that right. Tell me you heard that one. It finished your sentence. Come on, that was... Oh, okay, that was, that was creepy. I'll, I'll give you that. Julia Anderson, why are you here? You know what? This is getting ridiculous. If you're real, push me. I want you to push me. Come on, you coward. The big bad ghost of Julia Anderson, too scared to come and give my shirt a tug. Come on. Knox, stop it. I... Is that supposed to happen? I warned you not to provoke it. Uh, Lily, it, it ran out of battery. Stop this bullshit. Get Lily, hold on. Open the door. This isn't funny. Knox! It won't open! Knox! Oh my god! No fucking way! No! 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 Knox! Knox! Fuck! Faith! Harrison! So, how long have you been part of the club? I joined my freshman year. I love horror and paranormal stuff. I just get scared very easily. I can see that. What made you want to join? I've always had a slight interest in the paranormal, but when I found out that you were all going to come here for an investigation, I jumped at the chance. I've never been to a haunted house before. Like a real one. It's cool to finally go to someplace close to home. This is actually the first time we've stayed near campus. Usually we drive off pretty far. What's the scariest place you've been to? Uh, we went to the Sally house. God, I hated it. Well, it was pretty cool to be there, but I think I never stopped crying the entire night. I could imagine. I don't think I could even step foot inside that place. This is barely manageable. You seem to be doing fine. On the inside, I'm freaking out. Oh, you're so good at hiding it. I wish I could do that. I'm a theater major. That explains it. Fuck, Lord! Easy there, Jumpy. God, if it was like two in the afternoon, this place wouldn't be as scary, I swear. Where's the fun in that? I wouldn't call pissing myself fun. Maybe not to you. And you chose to show up, remember that. True. Let's just look around. This must have been the master bedroom. Big bed, nice bed frame, decent dresser. Lots of boxes, too. Must have been packed by Henry Anderson. Ah! Who's jumping now? Wasn't expecting that one. Me neither. That didn't sound like a good noise. You think there's anything good in these boxes? We're not stealing things, Faith. The legend says that her ghost is looking for her lost love letter. Maybe Henry Anderson found it and packed it away someplace. I wouldn't go through that stuff. Lily tells us that ghosts are like 
connected to earthly objects that they had strong feelings for? If we find it and damage it, then she could haunt us. Oh, come on. What could go wrong? I warned you not to touch anything. That shelf is ancient. Get away from there. Shit. Sorry. You were right. Oh, it's, it's fine. Look at all this stuff. What's this under the bed? What'd you find? Shit from the box fell under here. This, some old stuff. Any pieces of paper? Actually, there is. Oh my god. Holy fuck! What? Harrison, what fuck, is it? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Harrison, spit it out. What is it? It's the letter. You're kidding. Look. Dear Henry, my love. It's the first half. Henry must have found it and dropped it or, or hid it. Holy shit, I touched it. The ghost is going to hate me. We need to find Lily and Knox. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Faith, stop messing around. Harrison, open the door. It wasn't me. Let me out. Stop fucking around. No, 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 no. Why me? Faith, please help me. Get me out of here. No, no, no. No, just breathe. Just breathe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I... Oh, my God. You? It's you. No, please, no. No, no, I'm sorry. No! Harrison? Harrison! Faith, where's Harrison? The door. He, he was on the other side. I don't know. Knox, the same thing happened to Knox. What is that? It's the letter. Half of it, at least. Holy shit! No way! You found it! You actually found it! This has to be the cause behind all this, right? Why are you asking me? I'm new here. You've never lost a group member before. No! I mean, I believe in ghosts and shit, but they don't kill people! But a vengeful spirit will. What did you just say? Didn't you learn not to mess with the lost item of a lost soul? Julia Anderson, I... We didn't mean you any harm. We just wanted to find you. The letter. Bring you peace. Bullshit. You wanted to expose me. To use me for your own gain. No, we, we just wanted to make contact. Enough. Please, what do you want? I'll do anything. I'll, I'll transfer schools. I, I won't share anything that happened. I'll help you find the other half. I, I can tell you, but it will cost you. What? What is it? I want you to suffer. Please. Please, no. Get away. No. No. I'm sorry. No. (laughs) 
Well, I can definitely say I've got goosebumps. That was Bob Sawyer as Harrison, Natasha Gray as Lily, Chris Susie as Knox, and Oak Fawn as Faith and The Voice in the Paranormal 7th Annual Haunted House Sleepover by Cole Zubak. Maury, while I recover from that list of words, what are your thoughts? That was absolutely scary. Just uh, <laughs> creepy. Um, the sound effects the acting, the the writing, that the, the way Cole built up the tension just, uh, and I was not expecting uh, things to turn out quite the way they did. No, so it, we, uh, we had this discussion, funnily enough, on the, the panel presents back at the start of um, August when it was mentioned that the horror genre isn't really seen as much in theatres these days. Um, because it's very difficult to get that same level of um, tension and fear that you do when you're watching it on a on a big screen in the cinema or in a on a television. But I think he's nailed oh, it uh, here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was pretty scared uh, just listening to this. So <laughs> if I was in a dark a dark uh, theater and uh, you know I'm hearing people pounding on doors and uh, screaming, and then that uh, that really frightening voice from from the ghost i yeah well as i i mentioned earlier cole kind of has a fixation with um the genre of the of, say the paranormal and that kind right. of thing and i think it's it's a prime example of writing what you know and what you're passionate about and that comes across in the way the story is uh constructed going back to the, the genre itself with horror it's there are several kind of set construction blocks. You have the the jump scare moments, you have the the builds of tension, and right. then you have the wonderful twists that you, as you said, that you don't expect. Um, and he's kind of intertwined them in a really I, keep, I want to say lovely, but obviously it's a weird genre to describe <laughs> as lovely. Um, but he's done them in a really perfectly sinister way. And I think you know, having it as a as an audio production, you know, it leaves so much to the imagination yeah. in terms of what this house looks like and uh, imagining the people trapped in different rooms. Mm. Uh, and then this kind of uh, transformation of the newcomer. I think the thing for me as well is, as you say, there are, there are questions that do leap from the mind as you as you see this unfold, like as a, um, has Faith been possessed by this ghost all along? Is she, is she just drawing people to this house? Um, right, exactly, yeah. Um, and yeah, what happens to them now? I mean, are they? We assume possibly that they're all dead, but we don't know that. Yes. We say they could, they could be right. anywhere. They could be, they could be in a basement. Um, yeah, right. is is Faith going to go back out into the world possessed by Julia Anderson? Are we yes. we don't know. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of unanswered, uh, scary stuff. <laughs> and it draws, it draws you in as well. With it's like so it draws you in and draws you in, draws you in, and just at the right moment, you go, oh. <laughs> yes, because and one interesting thing is, I think that anybody listening can probably identify with one or more of the characters. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so it offers the audience so much in the way of what they can create in their mind's eye of, as you said what the house looks like how the action unfolds and that kind of thing and i think that's what 
that's one of the great things about audio versus uh, visual theater. Exactly. Well, hopefully now that they found the uh, the letter, um, you know, this but ghost it, will be as satisfied. Well, they've only found half. That's the thing. Only right? half. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I, this this is def this definitely needs a sequel, if nothing else. <laughs> if nothing else, they need to true. find the, the other half. <laughs> the other half of the letter. That's right. But that's the thing as well, because with a lot of uh, horror films, you have, I say, you do have the standard, you know, group of teenagers in a spooky and horrible place. Right. But normally there is one survivor on the end. And I don't see Faith yes. really as a survivor because obviously she's still either she's always been possessed by the spirit all along or she's going to remain so because the spirit needs her. So she's right. not really a survivor. She's still a victim of this ghost. So technically it's gone against the tradition with air quotes of horror films where there is one survivor left. Yeah. That's why it would be so interesting to be able to see her transition. Mm. You know. So we are almost out of time, but Maury, um, what's your final thought on the piece overall? Well, I mean, overall, it accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do. You know, mm -hmm. it scares the bejesus out of you. <laughs> you know, it just, it's absolutely frightening. It's the characters are great you know, the, their interaction. They all have a different attitude toward what they're doing. And that gives uh, the audience, the listener, um, somebody in that group to, to identify with, I think. Mm -hmm. And then it just, uh, the tension builds, the sound effects, everything that happens. Um, and then that, uh, that scary ending, you know, it's like, what more do you want? I think that should be Cole's new tagline. Cole Hunter Zubak, he'll scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, we are at the end. Maury, thank you so much for joining me and being our first visitor to Theatrical Shenanigans all the way from Japan. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I enjoyed this program so <laughs> much. And congratulations to you on the on the great success you're having. And that brings our Halloween episode of Theatrical Shenanigans to an end. I hope you've enjoyed the spooky adventures we've had today and my conversation with our man from Japan, Maury Norkin. I hope you can join us again in two weeks' time when we'll have another original play and another guest to discuss it with. And please make sure that if you have a play suitable for Theatrical Shenanigans, you submit it before midday on the 31st of October. In the meantime though, I've been Rachel Feeney-Williams, this is Theatrical Shenanigans, bringing down the curtain and saying, I hope you can join us next time. Theatrical Shenanigans was an RFW Scripts production, with music written and produced by Chris Cody.